Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. The number one podcast for learning and talent development professionals. Now here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another great episode to help you up your game and improve your capabilities in the world of talent development. That's what this show is all about, and that is what I'm here to help you do. And we've had a lot of great guests on this show in the past, and I have another fantastic guest for you today. Today, we're talking about developing emerging talent and specifically talking about Gen Z, who they are and what they're looking for and how we can think about developing them and giving them great opportunities, something we haven't really talked very much about on this show in the past. But Gen Z is here. They're entering the workforce. The oldest are you know around 26 years old or so. I like to think of them as born 1997 or later. And we'll talk about that in the show. And our guest today says that by 2030, Gen Z will make up half the corporate workforce, which is incredible when you think about how fast that is changing. So this is one that you definitely want to pay attention to. My guest today is Frederick A. Scott, who is the Global Head of Early in Career Development at ServiceNow. After serving as a DNI subject matter expert during formative years, building strategies that led to hiring nearly 20,000 people, coaching professionals to reach their apex rank, facilitating the dynamic DNI transformation of a consulting business at EY and creating fair and equitable hiring practices. Frederick joined the mission to make work better for people and especially to really focus on creating new opportunities for emerging talent and really focusing in on understanding Gen Z, what they need, what they're looking for, and creating great opportunities and opportunities for growth for those younger workers that we are relying so much on as the future of our companies and the future of our civilization, really. And ServiceNow has built a a great platform to create more talent mobility and uh, career mobility. And it's something that a lot of companies I know are working on trying to figure out. So I know it's something that many people can learn from. And Frederick is just an expert. He has brought so much wisdom and experience to this. I know you're going to enjoy this discussion. We had such a great conversation as well for this one and our bonus Q&A. And then just chatting before and after, Frederick is just such a great guy, someone I'm looking forward to talking more with. And I know you're going to enjoy hearing from. And so without further ado, here is my interview with Frederick A. Scott, who is the Global Head of Early and Career Development at ServiceNow. Enjoy. All right. I am joined now by Frederick A. Scott, who is the Global Head of Early in Career Development at ServiceNow. Frederick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andy. It's great to be with you. I'm really excited to have you here and get into this conversation. We talk a lot on this show about talent development broadly. We talk a lot about leadership development and developing leaders. This is some, an area where a lot of companies are putting a ton of effort and resources and budget into these days. Something we don't talk about as much is developing those employees who are early in their career and setting them up for future success. And especially now that we have technically a new generation who's been entering the workforce right? with Gen Z. Right? We spent a long time talking about millennials. We now have Gen Z entering the workforce, Gen Z from what I understand, generally born around 1997 and later. So we're talking about, you know, as we record this in 2023, 26, 25, 24. So we've got a few years of young adults, you know, coming out of college and coming into the workforce who have new and different desires and demands and things they want. 
as well as the, the whole world of work has changed uh, around us as they've come in. So I'm excited to dig into that. But before we do, I'd love to just start with a little bit of your background. You know, how did you get into this world of talent development in the first place? Yeah, it's a great question. Thank you so much. I think along with what you mentioned about their desires, I think there's experiences and expectations that they have as well. So we'd love to double click on that. Yeah. So there's a natural alignment between the desire to acquire talent and then thinking about how we can grow and keep that talent. So I've been focused primarily and have over the last 30 years in shaping and advancing inclusive practices, but also in looking after talent acquisition processes for those earlier in their career. And so that that journey has been, you know, again, marked by some focus on talent and DEI subject matter expertise for, for two iconic brands, uh, EY and LinkedIn, uh, where I honed a fair amount of skills and insights. Obviously now coming over and, and being thoughtful about the experiences at, at ServiceNow, there is a natural connection, again, to finding great talent and then keeping that great talent. And part of keeping that talent is growing it. And so we want folks to have an opportunity to grow here at ServiceNow. And so there's a very natural connection for me in that way. Um, I continue, frankly, Andy, by just sharing that when, when I, I want to put some stats on this for a second. Mm. When I think about the strategies that I've led over, over almost 30 years, it's led to the hiring of almost 20,000 individuals, right? And and so I've coached people and also professionals getting to the apex, you know, rank of their of their respective fields as well, not just early in career, but also later in career. And there's so much that we could glean and learn from the skills and experiences. But in that way, I've also been really at the forefront of some facilitating some dynamic DNI transformations in the landscape. And, and a lot of that is built on establishing fair and equitable hiring practices. But now, as I, as I was alluding to earlier, I'm on a mission to, with ServiceNow to make work better for people. That's our, that's our objective here. And so it's really a natural, again, connection to finding great talent, keeping great talent, and to do that, growing great talent. Yeah, absolutely. And interesting background, you know, you spent so long in professional services, such a huge firm like EY. And I was kind of looking at your background and thinking like, okay, you also spent a significant amount of time working in DE&I before it was cool. And I say that jokingly because it's always been cool, but like, (laughs) obviously DEI rose to great prominence during the rise of the social justice movement in 2020, but it was still important work back then. You know, how have you seen things change over the last few years in that space? Gosh, the the what started as a as sort of a good faith effort as what was just the right thing to do mm-hmm. became so important and critical and integral into business impact and business processes. The the way companies can can grow not only their their professionals and grow their their corporate brands but also grow their bottom line. Re, you know this, Andy. Research suggests that that teams that are that are diverse and well-managed are typically more innovative, more productive. When people feel like they belong, they're more productive. And so that research has fueled a, a, a nuanced focus for corporations over the last decade, if you will, going beyond this, this morality play to thinking about the real business impacts of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm. And I'm just curious, you know, because you were in that space so long, and and I would imagine some some personal connections to everything that's going on. How did you feel in that moment? Was kind of like, hey, where have you guys been? Or it's about time, and I'm excited to be part of this. <laughs> 
And and when you say that the question, where when we say where where are they where who's where has who been? You mentioned that question. I want to just make sure I clarify. Well, that. I mean, like big companies investing in in that you know directive. Well, I mean, one of the things that you also we also know in this audience is that what gets measured gets done, mm-hmm. right? And so as we think about the proliferation of big data, people analytics, people insights, organizations having that insight, having that data creates clarity. And the one thing that most organizations do really well is when they have clarity, they can then be very intentional in the way they pursue those opportunities, right? And again, we're working for for-profit organizations, so we got to be thoughtful about doing right by our people. That's paramount. Um, what we find oftentimes, particularly what we're thinking about here at, at ServiceNow, is when, is, when we, is, is when our people are, are feeling like they belong they're going to be productive. And if our people are productive, it's going to do well for us as we endeavor to wire our customers. So so I think many organizations, as I refer back to your prior question, you know, sort of have been figuring that out along the way. Mm-hmm. And I would say not every organization is there. There is a, a continuum in many books around where organizations are on that diversity continuum. Right. And not everyone is, is there. There are very few what I would consider to be fives. Yeah. But we're all still learning. We're all a work in and progress, I think what's right? Im- yeah, and I think what's important is to know that is to not mm-hmm. look at any organization and think, "Oh gosh, you know, we're we're behind." It's it's a you know it's it's such a nuanced journey for each organization and and, uh, yeah. and service. Now we're just so grateful to be to be uh, to be uh, you know on that journey. Yeah, I'm curious why you made the move in your career, your own career, from focus on focusing on DEI work to emerging talent and and helping early career talent. It's a great question, Andy. If I if I think back, which has been some time, <laughs> one of the one of the things that was very paramount in my career, and I want to share this as I as we also think about this new generation. You know, I was once you and I were once in a generation that was considered new in the corporate arena. Sure. If I think back to when I was new in the corporate arena, similar to how some folks are new from a Gen Z perspective mm-hmm. now, newish. I, I always thought about taking the you know taking a look at the best opportunity in front of me. And if I and if I stitch together the best opportunities in front of me at the time that aligned to my personal aspirations and professional ambitions, I would look back on my career and think, wow, I've really done it. And I'll be candid. I'm looking back on my career now and I'm going, wow, I've really done it. Hmm. So part of it for me, when I was early in my career as an as an accountant and I was thinking about my journey, and the fact that I knew very little about the corporate world at that time, very little about, you know, at the time, big six accounting, I wanted to, to pave the way for others to know more. Right. I did really want, you know, even though, uh, you know, when I when I when I joined back then, ServiceNow was a was a twinkle in someone's eye. <laughs> I wanted to make the world work better for other people <laughs> and, and make work better for other people. And so that that was critically important for me to, to make work better for others. And for that to work, people need to see opportunities. And so this is was around my move. My initial move was around create, helping to create visibility into opportunities that I didn't even know existed mm. initially. And so I wanted to create that clarity, that visibility, that opportunity for others to see those opportunities as well. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about the connection here and I want to get into talking about developing early talent and especially talking about Gen Z. And, you know, when we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, we're often talking where we're hearing a lot more about race and gender 
and now more and more about neurodiversity, which is great. But age sure. is a big factor as well, right? Because we've got a lot of multi-generations in the workforce and we have this new generation that, that is coming in. We talked about Gen Z. I mentioned Gen Z born around 97 or later. I think of the delineation. I think I read this once and it stuck with me. And so if you're thinking about what is Gen Z, uh, the question is, do they remember 9-11 or not, right? And you and I are recording this in September of 2023. It's been 22 years and, you know, basically, if you remember, you're part of a millennial or, or earlier, right? But if you don't, you're probably right. in Gen Z. Right. You know, they're probably four years older or, or younger. I've also been right. thinking about how I'm noticing a difference, quote, this time, I'll say, because I started facilitating <laughs> workshops some 12, 13 years ago. And I remember in those days, think about 2011, I'd be standing in front of a room with like mid-career professionals, and they were just complaining all the time about millennials and how awful they were, right? And like you said, there's always someone new. We've all been new to the workforce. Absolutely. I don't hear that as much about Gen Z. Do you think that our perspectives are changed? Do you think the generation is different? Like, I'm very curious about that. You mentioned something earlier. I think it's a great point. Yeah. By the way, I, I, was in, I was in New York uh, mm. on 9-11 and remember driving back to Dallas uh, a few days later. Mm. It's a long journey. So it's very, very, uh, that your question and your comment resonates very well with me. Yeah. I think we're at a. I think we're at an interesting inflection point globally, right? If we, if we, if your to answer your question, there is a different level of openness, mm. and it's not universal, but there's an opportunity for it to be. I've I've read articles. You've read articles where we're seeing, you know, senior leaders come out and talk about this generation not being prepared, and I think that's one. That's one perspective. You mentioned social justice, the rise in social justice, you think about that we've, you know, come out of a pandemic, mm -hmm. which has really helped to reshape and open up uh, as an opportunity to open up a fair amount of our thinking. Yeah. And so I think that's one thing that's influenced the way we look at this generation is that we're coming at, out of a different time. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing we have to be really thoughtful about is the opportunity to foster and grow talent early in their career. Because in my estimation, cutting back on EIC talent is a short-term or cost-saving effort that most companies will ultimately regret because there's longer-term consequences for a temporary decision. Yeah. And here's why that matters so much. You know this. Our audience may or may not know this. Gen Z will represent 27% of the, of the global workforce by 2025. Mm. That, that's not very long from now. No. And 30% of the global workforce by 2030. The reason that's important and the reason that, you know, to answer more more explicitly answer your question, the pathways to learning have broadened as the cost of colleges increased. So Gen Z is pursuing degrees at community colleges, micro-credentials through boot camps and certifications and other academic offerings. It's reshaping how they learn and what they prioritize. They've also, if you think about what you mentioned about 9-11, how old they were, they're also digital first. Mm -hmm. So they've either learned or worked in a completely virtual environment. Yeah. They've learned to create connections in ways that other generations have not. And they're influencing, which is in enhancing the way they solve problems. So I, I think going back to your comment around when, you know, when DEI before DEI was cool <laughs> and it was the right thing to do yeah. and the business impact of diversity yeah. – which has so many more dimensions than race and ethnicity and even age, which was part of your question. Right. There is a there is a need for all of us to shift our thinking and be more open mm -hmm. about what we can learn, not just what we can teach. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that is the shift that was ushered in from the big rise in social justice, as well as the pandemic. Right. Yeah. We all had to shift in what we thought and the way we experienced life. And that is creating an, a pathway for us to be more open 
to this generation. Not, you know, again, not universal. Yeah. It's not unilateral. We're not all there, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's created that opportunity. Yeah. So how do we think about providing the right development opportunities to our emerging talent, to our younger or we'll say newer, less experienced workers? And what is ServiceNow doing to prepare this younger workforce for, you know, the, the kind of the, the next phase of their careers, the next level? I think that's a great question. I'll, I'll, I'll try to parse this out as best I can. Mm. So keep me, keep me, keep me honest here. One, I, part of what we've adopted is a mindset that EIC gives companies and ServiceNow a competitive advantage and allows for diverse perspectives. So here's what's interesting about that. At ServiceNow, we believe that fresh perspectives ignite innovation, right? Well, our commitment to EIC not only grants us the competitive edge, but also kindles this environment that's ripe for dynamic collaboration. Why is that important? When we welcome emerging talent, early in career talent, campus talent, we invigorate our teams with a vibrant exchange of ideas and approaches, which push the boundaries of creativity. Why does that matter? Because the, the infusion of diverse viewpoints not only shapes our products, but also enhances our ability to, to address complex challenges with a bit more agility, right? And through that, we sort of pave the way for transformative solutions that stand as a testament to the power of cross-generational collaboration. Why does all of that matter? Because we want people to come and grow with service now. So our goal is to cultivate and nurture talent and to hire a diverse and skilled workforce. And in that way, then our offerings and our customers will benefit, right? Again, I mentioned earlier, one of our values is to wow our customers. Well, then we can wow our customers through, through our offerings that are benefited from cultivating and nurturing this talent. And so as we think about that gold and to recruit and celebrate the, the raw oftentimes potential that individuals bring, we then have a responsibility to forge a workplace, create, create a workplace that embodies diversity in all of its dimensions, but also create some pathways for, again, growing that talent that we want to keep, that we spent time and energy going out to find, right? So I think that's really important. So what are we doing? A couple of things that we're doing that I'll share. We have a development program called Launchpad. We built it with our talent development team to ensure that we, again, find, grow, and keep extraordinary talent. We're focused on power skills in that training community, which is very important to most generations, not just Gen Z, but also role readiness, right? We've had almost 1,200 participants globally go through skill building and community building. We've had almost 2,200 of our early in career folks participate in a bridge program for those who are already here when we launched this program called Launchpad Lite. We're looking at how we can leverage our, our platform and technology to accelerate learning and development because, again, we want people to grow at ServiceNow. So we have our founder, Fred, Fred Letty. We have our, our one of our learning pro platforms is called Fred, which is built on our ServiceNow platform, which makes learning available and accessible across devices in very personalized and relevant ways. We've got an internal career site that creates transparency into new roles and career options for employees. And then we also have this career growth toolkit that is also built on the ServiceNow platform that helps the employees set goals, track growth conversations, and get actionable, feed, actionable feedback, which is important to all generations, but specifically to Gen Z, and then make individual career plans. So those are just a few of the things, Andy, that we're focused on. There's so many more, but I want to be conscious of, uh, of other questions yeah, that, that's that, cool. sure I, I, that are brewing with you right now. No, that's great. I, I wanted to ask you about the Launchpad program and 
what you've built. And, you know, we had your colleague Sarah Tilly on not too long ago, and she talked a little bit about the platform that's creating more talent mobility there at ServiceNow, which is something that I think you know, as I'm out there talking to lots of learning and development leaders, I'm hearing more and more the more progressive companies saying we want to build something that's creating more of a talent marketplace or more talent mobility, allow people to move around and, and take on different types of roles, you know, the lattice instead of the ladder and all that sort of thing. Absolutely. Obviously, this is something that you want to be accessible to everyone. But I think as that idea catches on, it's something that's going to be more and more attractive to these younger workers who are coming into the workforce, right? Because from what I'm hearing and seeing, when you ask most workers, especially the younger, you know, younger millennials, Gen Z, what do you want when you take a job? It's they want to know how am I going to grow in my career, right? What am I going to learn from this experience? I may not be here forever, mm-hmm. right? Like not like my parents or grandparents did. So like, what am I going to get out of this? Obviously, I want to provide value as well. But how am I going to learn? How am I going to grow in my career? And, you know, what else can I be doing? Like they're already thinking about what's the next step, right? And how do my values align? What are you seeing there? I, you're spot on. And we we had sort of a more of a, a stick and stay mentality as we as we entered corporate America and the workforce. And and I, and I my my sense, my my experience suggests that Gen Z sees opportunities as more as lily pads. Hmm. Right. It's, it's a way for me to cross the pond. Right. I start here. I'm going to jump to this. I, they they want to know more about where the next jump will be before they even take the first jump. And I think we spent more time investing in that current jump, mm-hmm. making that really successful and then thinking about the next jump after that. And I think this generation spends a bit more of their energy wanting to forecast the jumps. What's in it for me? The WIFM is really, really real mm-hmm. for Gen Z. And we have to then think about how we can tailor our development opportunities the conversations and I'll be, and, and here's the interesting thing. And we can't wait until they get here to share that message. Yeah. It has to be part of our message as we look to acquire that talent right. because Gen Z is making decisions on where they go on a number of factors, yeah. including purpose and the ability to have a life, but also what can you, can you predict or project these jumps for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and how are you going to help me to, to make those jumps and, by the way, can you give me a timeline? Yeah. <laughs> so those are really important for this generation. You mentioned acquiring talent. I wanted to ask about that, especially looking for ways to recruit maybe non-traditional talent or people that are coming up through different ways. I think based on what I'm reading and seeing, you know, when you and I were coming up, our parents told us like, if you want to be successful, you have to go to college, right? And I feel like that's changing a little bit now. We've got people that are exploring different routes. College is not the end all be all, you have to go there. So how do you think about finding the right talent, even from different places and then upskilling them or, you know, giving them the right uh, development to be able to be successful in their jobs? It's a very relevant question. I've got, I've got professional experience that, that, that sort of is, is going to inform that question, but also have a high school senior at home Mm. who at one point came home and said, dad, I don't think I want to go to college. Mm. So, (laughs) and so I think it's very pertinent. If again, we think about social justice movement, if we think about the pandemic, if we think about since 2018, and I think this, this research was docked in about 2022, there are almost 2 million fewer college enrollees, mm-hmm. which was before the pandemic. So it wasn't just the pandemic ushered in this, yeah. this, this deep decline in, in college enrollment. So there were other things, again, those mm-hmm. micro-credentials that we talked about earlier. Right. But here's what we're doing. We're embracing that thought because we understand that the corporate technology gap still exists and 
is getting wider mm-hmm. and it's imperative for us to be thoughtful about how we recognize and address the challenge and finding people with the right skills, not the degree at every level. And so when we think about the digital divide, not only does it affect organizations' ability to thrive in this digital age, but it also significantly impacts EIC individuals who are entering the workspace. So here's a couple of things we're doing. You've likely heard Rise Up with ServiceNow. It is our commitment to skilling 1 million individuals by 2024, by the end of 2024, and, and in this ServiceNow ecosystem, right? And so we've really recently expanded courses to include Microsoft. Hmm. We've also got NextGen, which enables participants, many of whom have traditionally been marginalized, to build critical entry-level technical skills and access alternative pathways to employment, mm-hmm. again, in the ServiceNow ecosystem. But that'll give you one you know, more recent one that I'm extremely proud of, having been at, at ServiceNow for about 10 months. We launched this, this idea about seven months ago, and it came to fruition just last month, Discover ServiceNow. It's a four-day program that enables, provides space to learn about ServiceNow, more around engineering and sales roles that are available here, and to develop new skill sets. Who was the audience? We hosted 55 students from 43 different schools, so we were pretty diverse in our selection, including HBCUs and HSIs, and a university in Puerto Rico. Hmm. All of those participants were first or second year students who identify with one or more historically underrepresented groups in tech. About 95% of those will interview with us over the next two years for an internship role in 2024. And 100% agreed or strongly agreed that that Discover ServiceNow affects the way they saw or the way they see ServiceNow. So it's programs like Rise Up, NextGen, Discover ServiceNow, where we're ensuring that individuals are equipped, one, with the digital, digital literacy and the skills, but also have the access to opportunities they need to succeed, right, in this modern workforce. And so by doing so, we're not only creating a pathway for EIC individuals, but also cultivating a more inclusive and technology, uh, technologically empowered workforce of the future. So, you know, traditionally folks have leaned on calling it non-traditional talent Mm -hmm. that suggests that people may not have degrees we also have to make space andy for those person who have degrees but may be changing or pivoting in their career yeah right and so it's not simply non-degreed but people who may be differently equipped differently certified differently doing something uh, different than maybe they studied in school or if they're like me they didn't really pay attention in class their degree didn't matter because they're mostly partying i'm not saying that i did that (laughs) But it's, it's quite possible <laughs> that I'm working. It's quite possible if you did that. But look at you now. Look at what you've learned hey. from that. And that's what we're talking about, talent development. That's right. And so you went on a learning journey. And if that was your experience, I know somebody listening, it's their experience. That's right. Certainly, I'll be honest, it was part of my experience. Yeah. But the things that I've learned from that journey were just so rich. I was networking. I put that in quotes a lot in college (laughs) and definitely in business school. I was doing a lot of networking. It's interesting. You mentioned that there are 2 million less enrollees in college. So obviously there's a trend that's sort of starting to move away from that towards other avenues. I've also read and heard quite a bit about the widening gender gap in college where young women are still going to college, but young men are going a lot less. And so you've got a pretty large gap already that's widening every day in terms of more women getting college degrees than men. And so then you just have to start ask as a company, you know, if we want sort of gender equity parity, whatever it is you're going for, how do we reach more of those young men that maybe aren't going to college or taking a traditional route and especially young men of color, right? Who are, I think, even by a larger percentage, not going to college. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll give you a couple of examples, recent examples of, of, of how we're activating our industry build strategy, mm. if you will. Obviously, we will, we will be, we will be, you know, beneficiaries of that of that industry build strategy and, 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 you know, and look to 
to you know to to target some of those folks for ourselves. But they're too young in the journey. But that that's what matters is the industry build strategy. We have great connections with a few outfits, boys and girls clubs. We think about you know programs like Crystal Ray. Just recently, both on, both on the West Coast and in Dallas, and I haven't posted about this on LinkedIn for the Dallas piece yet, but I will by the end of week. We 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 donated laptops to to organizations, and and in the, and in those crowds, Andy were, were were young men and and young men of color. Hmm. And so part of our responsibility, not just service now, but the broader industry is to build and create lanes of access and opportunities, which start from visibility and brand. So we are very intentional and will become much more intentional as we go forward in creating this identity for, for folks about what's possible. Because once, once, once these young folks know what's possible, it, be, it can then be move into their multiple choice options. And I think if I look back on the balance of my career, the question you ask even about why I moved into this, it was about creating more multiple choice answers mm. for people who were otherwise, again, marginalized and to help to stem that gap that you mentioned that is widening between yeah. uh, men and women and their pursuit of, uh, of opportunities. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that Gen Z is digital first, and I would even argue mobile first, right? And so that, that's where they are. But there's, still all, there's still a technology gap that exists. A lot of people that don't necessarily have access to the technology yes. that we're talking about. But Gen Z primarily you know, understands how to handle technology, which set them up well for the huge challenge that they faced, right? Which was many of them graduating during a pandemic, like you mentioned earlier, which meant that you have a lot of people who started their working career in corporate working remotely, right? Never going into an office and meeting their colleagues in person, right? And yes. it's one thing to be able to handle technology and, and, and be able to handle yourself and work from home, but there's a lot of people skills that are potentially lost in there. How do you think about developing you know, Gen Z who have gone through this really huge challenge of starting a working career remotely and some of them never meeting their colleagues in person. That, that's, why, that's why programs like Launchpad are so important mm. because we, we think about how do you, one of the toughest challenges for me as I answer this question, one of the toughest challenges for me back then, we won't say how long ago it was, was transitioning from university to corporate. Yeah. That challenge still exists. And then you layer on to that, yeah. you know, not being able to go to the two weeks of training in person that I went to when I first started, mm -hmm. building that community in person, getting to know the organization in person, right. that that doesn't exist as regularly anymore. Yeah. And, and so that's why programs like Launchpad are critically important. And we think about, I use the term power skills, some might use soft skills. Mm -hmm. That's why power skills are so important. It is that, that ability to network. It is that ability to understand how to navigate the organization. It is that ability to link up with a peer and a peer counselor who can help you understand. I just went through this a year ago. My, this, let me tell you more about my experience. Uh, let me help you understand what you might want to, to focus on. But also giving some opportunity because some of obviously our hire, many of our hires are, are close to an office location, but creating the conditions in the environment where we invite people in and ensuring that there's someone you know there to, to, to meet them when they come. When we think about early career hiring, we think about hiring in locations that, that have the propensity for managers to be on site when those opportunities arise. So, it's, it's, so there's Launchpad, which again, has a high degree of influence and involvement from our managers. One, 
modeling for them what good managers look like, but two, also then sharing with them how to create a skill, you know, increase your skills to, to become managers yourself. And so I think those are a couple of things that are really critical. And Launchpad has, over the last year and a half or so has been a phenomenal invention for us to, to really double down on those power skills that we know they need, along with the technical acumen, the business acumen that they might need. There's just the ability to navigate and, and get integrated into an organization. Yeah, it's really important. The last thing I want to ask you about, Frederick, is, you know, we got a lot of people in talent development who listen to this show and many are nodding their heads and be like, yeah, we, you know, we definitely have to invest in developing our emerging talent, our younger generation. How can people get started with that? You know, how, do, how can companies start thinking about or talent development professionals start thinking about aligning that need for development or that goal of development with organizational objectives to make sure they're getting the sponsorship or, you know, support from senior leadership that they need. We're talking about talent development. And so what's interesting to your question, Andy, is one of the things that one of the concepts that people can embrace around getting started is being curious, Mm -hmm. right? Embracing this curiosity. And, And while we're trying to advance the growth and development of others, we have to be thoughtful about the information that we're that we're taking in as we plan for these the, these new joiners. That, I think that's one. I think two. We talked about earlier how social justice, the pandemic, you know, digital age has created this openness, this need to be more open to 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 learning about others. We can't stand idly by and suggest we know this generation. Mm. So we've got to be more about learning uh, about them. But I think one of the more tactical things that folks can do and probably should do, and maybe many have done it already, so I'll state the obvious, is looking at the cost of replacing the people that you just went to go and acquire, mm. right? And so what, what, I, what, I, what I've said before is, and one of my anchor points generally, is replacement value can't be higher than retention value mm. in an organization, Right. And so we've got to be thoughtful about how we retain great talent. We spend a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of energy going out to acquire talent. For every person that walks out of the door, there's a cost to that, a physical cost, tangible cost, but also, you know, a cost that is a bit more intangible. But it's felt in an organization like ours, particularly as we think about wiring our customers and the products and offerings that we're creating and many other organizations, uh, you know, across industries. And so we've got to be thoughtful about not placing a higher value on replacement and really being intentional about how, how we grow and, and retain talent. Mm-hmm. And we are doing just that here at ServiceNow. Yeah, we, we, like we talked about, the, the Gen Z, the younger generations want to know, how am I going to grow in my career here? And if you can't answer that question, you can't provide that, those development opportunities, eventually they're going to walk out the door to go somewhere else. And you're going to be replacing that talent. And you got to think about the costs associated with that. Uh, it's a great reminder right there, Frederick. I appreciate that. And you shared so much great content, so many great insights today. I really appreciate you coming on. I wish we could had more time for this, but we do still have our uh, bonus Q&A. We're going to chat a little bit more. <laughs> but for now, for anybody who wants to reach out and get in touch with you, is LinkedIn the best place to go or, or somewhere else? LinkedIn is a great start. Frederick A. Scott. Fun fact, Frederick with two E's is the only spelling recognized on through spell check. So it's Frederick with one E, Frederick A. Scott on LinkedIn is the best way to get in touch with me. Mm-hmm. So look forward to building more community and connections with each of you as you look to grow and develop and keep more of your, uh, of your talent. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to talking more soon. Andy, thank you. It was a pleasure.
All right, that will do it for my interview with Frederick A. Scott, who is the global head of early and career development at ServiceNow, as well as a, an experienced DNI, DEI practitioner, professional leader. I hope you got value from that conversation. I definitely did. I, I took a few notes and uh, wrote some things down. And I think we all need to be thinking about how do we develop the next generation and how do we really make sure that we're giving the younger workers, especially Gen Z, the capabilities. Uh, that they need and really how to go find the right people and then develop them for the future of our organizations and our world. And so I was really excited to have him on. I'm, I'm going to invite Frederick to come speak in the Talent Development Think Tank membership community as well. So if you're not a member, make sure that you come join us. We're still offering a free 14-day trial. I'm surprised more of you have not taken advantage of this offer because it's pretty amazing to be able to come in and join a couple of our calls with so many great guest speakers like Frederick, like Mita Malik, who was on the show recently. Amy Barnard Bond came in the community recently after doing a podcast interview. We have Deep Mahajan on the schedule to come speak about building a talent marketplace. We have Josh Ermler scheduled to come and talk about AI in talent development. Kamiko Leung scheduled to talk about developing aspiring leaders. Darren Nerland scheduled to come and talk about skills mapping. Brandon Clark from Adobe coming to talk about the changing landscape of talent development. Sarah Tilly, who also works at ServiceNow, coming to talk about using AI to transform talent development. And so much more that's on the calendar. And we have amazing members that you can learn from and network with. So if you're not a member, come check us out. All the information is on our website. Go to tdtt.us and click on community. That's tdtt.us and click on community. And when you join, not only you get the free trial, but you can actually put in the discount code podcast for 10% off your membership as well. All right. Thank you again for listening. I really appreciate you. And I want you to stay tuned because our next episode is going to be our bonus Q&A round with Frederick A. Scott. And it is a good one. So make sure that you are subscribed to our show. If you haven't yet left a review, I'd love for you to do that as well. It helps other people find it. And share this episode with your colleagues and your friends who are working on emerging talent or other areas of talent development. I, that's how we really find the best people. We spread the word. I appreciate you spreading the word and being here and listening and supporting me. And I hope that this podcast supports you. And I hope you'll go out and do more great work. Take care. <laughs>